Good evening. Welcome to the Big Fight. I'm Vishnu Shom on the program tonight. The India-China boundary and border tensions between both countries. It's been an issue that's dominated proceedings in Parliament throughout this week, with the opposition making the allegation that the centre is stonewalling every effort at answering queries on just what is happening along the LAC. All this comes within days of the Tawang clash between Indian and Chinese soldiers when our Jawans held their ground and repulsed a bid by the Chinese to take over a post right on the line of actual control. It's in this area that they fought, though this took place earlier on. There have now been another round of talks between India and China, the 17th round of talks, but these have yielded no results, with many asking the question, will there ever be a 100% return to the status quo before 2020, when the Chinese came into our territory? It's the government versus the opposition, in Parliament uh, is an effort being made to stonewall any questions on the line of actual control. That's what we're looking at on the big fight this evening. But first, uh, a very special guest, uh, Nirupama Rao, the former Foreign Secretary of India, joins us uh, at this stage. Thanks, ma'am, very much for being with us. The latest round of talks in eastern Ladakh um, have not seen any breakthrough. Is it realistic to expect the Chinese to withdraw to pre-2020 positions. Uh, thank you, Vishnu, for having me on the show. Uh, to answer your question, I think it's necessary to remember that everything changed in terms of our relationship with China uh, in June 2020 with what happened in Galwan. And today what we are facing is a Chinese presence across the LAC, the line of actual control, which is very intrusive, very assertive. Uh, China is literally seeking the commanding heights, you know, literally and figuratively along the terrain involved. And both India and China have been trading accusations on just who started the fire, to borrow a line. So infrastructure building along the LAC has also triggered a situation where troops of the two sides are in increasing patterns of close confrontation with each other. Reason would demand that disengagement and de-escalation should take place because, you know, the situation is quite kinetic. But both countries, and this is where the crux of the problem lies, both countries have different determinations of how to define the status quo, and that is really at the heart of the problem. Ma'am, the clashes in Tawang and the release uh, of the video which we've seen, which is not even of the actual incident, it took place recently, but it wasn't the December 9th incident, does this fuel a social media constituency in the process deflecting from the larger challenges which actually exist along the LAC? I would definitely agree with uh, your observation because conflict today seems to have acquired a definition of being played out in living color, as you see from that video on your screens. And the capture of live footage extends the dimensions of the conflict in my view. It takes it into our living rooms, into our social gatherings, into our communities. It shadows our daily lives with all the commentary and the discussions built around it. So a little knowledge, as they say, is a dangerous thing, Vishnu. Shallow sips, as they say, only intoxicate the brain. And nobody is delving, I believe, deep into the depths of the complicated problems that we face with China along our common borders. The challenges that we face are not newly minted ones, which the social media seems so casually to treat as such. Yeah. But they are problems that are over six decades old, Vishnu. 
Ma'am, and accountability, the key question over here. We are a democracy in Parliament on China versus quiet diplomacy. How does one balance one with the other? Well, uh, first and foremost, I mean, we can all agree that Parliament is a sacred institution in our democracy. No doubt about that. And members of Parliament from the opposition, I know, and we all know, have demanded more information from the government on the situation on the LAC with China. And that, I suppose, is a legitimate ask. My hunch uh, is that the government is already briefing key members of political parties about the recent turn of events. And that's the normal practice. And I've no doubt that this convention continues to be followed. The other point I'd like to make is that from 1959 to 1961, the nature of the debate in Parliament at a time when the government in power had shared information on our relations with China and the problems along the border through the publication of the white papers, which you know about on the boundary question, that, you know, that level of debate was so explosive and so charged that it placed the government in a situation where there was no room whatsoever for maneuver on the subject in order to work out a negotiated settlement with China. And that, I believe, was extremely unfortunate. And we're still reaping the harvest of that period. And our problems with China, in my view, gain little by being politicized. And our enemies will only exploit the political divisions that exist on such matters. And at the same time, there's no room, little room, for jingoism here. We have to be calm and clear-headed in such situations, understand our strengths and weaknesses. Is the race to match China's infrastructure build-up in Tibet a belated response to what India should have actually been doing for well more than a decade? Well, that's a valid point. Building infrastructure in the border areas is not only essential for our defense Because we are playing catch-up but... now, uh, it just seems. Yeah, absolutely. But it's essential, building... Speeding up the building of infrastructure in the border areas is important for our defense, for our security. It also promotes the development of these areas and helps bring populations residing there into the national mainstream. And that's a very, very constructive move. But we've been slow, I admit, in, in improving our infrastructure in these areas. And we've speeded up the process only in the last few years. There's no doubt about that. And in the early years of our independence, I'm hearkening back uh, to many decades earlier, we lacked the resources and the wherewithal to build roads and bridges in these areas. Although one must remember, for the benefit of our audience, that a number of advanced landing grounds for our aircraft were completed at that time against great odds of topography, geography, climate. And I think we've developed blame-mongering as a national blood sport now about what other gov previous sure. governments did not achieve. But we need to concentrate on the present and the future. And it's very encouraging to see that infrastructure in the border areas is being, uh, building is being speeded up in a mission mode by the government. All right, ma'am. Thanks very much for uh, speaking to us. Thanks very much. Uh, indeed. Well, we're going to move on now to our big debate on, uh, on the big fight. We're looking at um, whether the government needs to come clean on what's happening on the line of actual control. Uh, Dhirupama Rao giving us a real perspective uh, of, the, uh, of the larger diplomatic questions but in Parliament, it's government versus the opposition. We're joined by Supriya Shinate of the Congress Party. Uh, we are joined by uh, Brigadier Anil Gupta of the BJP. Uh, we've got uh, Professor Victor Gao. 
uh, as well. We've got Manish Tiwari of the Congress, uh, General Subroto Saha, a member of uh, the National Security uh, Advisory Board and former Deputy Chief of the Army, uh, General Atta Hesnain, uh, and Professor Yukteswar Kumar uh, with us as well. Brahma Chalani uh, also joins us. I'd like to thank you all very much for being with us. We'll start this part of the program <coughs> with what we call the first punch. It's just your introductory remarks, but it's one minute long. And then there is a timer, and I'll tell you, to pause, and that sort of sets the stage for this debate. Supriya, let me come to you first. The first punch, your first comments, one minute, your time starts now. So thank you very much for having me on the show, and a great evening to all my fellow panelists. I think what we are hearing and seeing on China is a government that wants to live in denial, is a government that does not want to take the nation into confidence, is a government that believes that the opposition doesn't deserve to know what is happening with national security. And I think it is a government that wants to look the other way when the enemy is, you know, inside your territory, at your border, acting truant. The reality is that every person in the inside parliament and out of it wishes well for India. We only need to know what is happening. There are reports of skirmishes on the border. The government wants to look the other way. The prime minister has told an entire country, Koi the PLA is speaking the same language. It doesn't bode well. The prime minister's statement has to be supported by a bunch of lies that the defense ministry then has to corroborate, or for that matter, MEA has to change its statement. This doesn't bode well for national security. And my last statement is really on the rise, phenomenal rise in trade, even as India right. and Chinese army stand Okay, your time is up, Supriya. I, I do need to interject. Brigadier Anil Gupta, your one minute. Your time starts now. Good evening, Krishnu, and good evening, co-panelists. I would just say that politicizing the matters of national security is not wanted. Our relationship with China and the problems we have with China is nothing new. It started way back in 1950s and is carrying on. Various governments from time to time have faced these problems and they have maintained silence as far as China is concerned. It is better that we fight China diplomatically and politically, but not make a hue and cry of it. It is very, very easy to blame each other. But I feel the time is not to blame, but to have a pragmatic view of the challenges which China uh, poses to us and how, as a nation, united nation, together, we can face that challenge. Because if we are divided, China will take advantage of it. China, in any case, tries to look for weaknesses. And if our weak, we have a weak uh, polity at the center or in the country, China will definitely take advantage of it. Okay. Brahma Chalani, your one minute starts now, sir. Go ahead. I believe the Indian government should be projecting strength and national unity. An open debate in parliament will underscore the vigor of India's democracy and help the government to sharpen its public diplomacy. Strengthening public diplomacy doesn't preclude or constrict quiet diplomacy. The government has a genuine concern. The government doesn't want to queer the pitch for hosting Xi Jinping next year at the G20 summit in India. But the government, in its reply to the debate in parliament, can merely reiterate what it has said in earlier statements. In other words, the government must realize that there is only upside and no downside to having a debate in parliament on China's border aggression. Concerns of members of parliament over China's violation of binding bilateral agreements 
through its ongoing aggression, will send a strong message to Beijing. At the very least, the government should hold an all-party meeting chaired either by the Prime Minister or the Defence Minister. Okay. General Saha, go ahead, sir. Your one minute starts now, your first punch. Uh, thank you, Vishnu. I think at this moment, uh, the most paramount requirement is national unity. It is a very serious challenge that we are facing. And the intensity of the challenge is only multiplying with every incident, with every passing day. We are into the third winter now in literally an eyeball-to-eyeball configuration in various parts of eastern Ladakh. And what we have witnessed now in Arunachal is an extension of the broader strategy to try and pressurize India at multiple points. The biggest challenge as, as of now, despite all the efforts, let's not forget that the terrain is demanding and it is taking time to build up infrastructure as we go along. As it is, we have started late, but things have been improving and we need to allow time for that. The next point is, in the larger strategic sense, we have over the years... Okay, over General, interrupting managed you. To I, I, and you will, have a, you will have opportunities, I assure you, General Saha, to complete your point. General Hasnain, I'm being a difficult taskmaster, uh, but uh, bear with me. I will be rather rude to General Saha, but I'll be rude to you as well. So one minute, your time starts now. Jaihan to all my fellow panelists. China does not trust India. China knows the potential that India has. China does not trust us at all. It will keep us under pressure. All that is happening on the LAC is primarily designed to build a gray zone around us, keep the continental area completely active so that we do not pay attention to the maritime zone. This whole concept of pressurizing us, wants China wants it to remain in the gray so that we cannot respond in the manner that we may wish to respond. And the kind of response that we are already giving, divisive response of political, military, etc., is all playing out in the manner which China perhaps wishes, desires for us to play out. And therefore, we should primarily be focusing on the diplomatic side, as Brigadier Gupta said, and we should be primarily looking at preparing ourselves for future contingencies should the situation demand us having to actually respond in the military way. Okay. Professor Victor Gao, uh, this is the first bunch. One minute, sir. Uh, your position, your time starts now, sir. Thank you very much for having me. First of all, allow me to emphasize that India and China are not enemies against each other and should never be enemies against each other. On the other hand, there are border disputes between China and India, and the only right way to solve the border disputes is for China and India to engage in diplomacy and negotiation in equality and uh, friendship, for example, so that eventually we can get rid of this bad legacy of the border disputes, which were not the responsibility of either India or China. It were the responsibility by the British Indian Empire before. So I'm promoting peace and negotiation and diplomacy with the ultimate aim that China and India will be freed up from such liabilities and will really engage with each other as good neighbors, as friends, as partners, because nothing 
can be worse as a war between China and India. All right, nothing India. can be worse as a war. Uh, Professor Yukteswar Kumar, your one minute, sir. Please go ahead. Start. Thank you very much. I say this without a scintilla of equivocation or hesitation or timidity that now it is not the time for any kind of hesitancy, any kind of equivocation or pulsinamous attempt of ambiguity between India and China. If since last June 2020, almost three or two and a half years have taught us anything that even the immutable rules of politics and diplomacy can be subverted. I have been working on China for last more than three decades, and India needs to understand China very well. We do not need to look at China from the prism of Western diplomacy or academics. We in India need to understand China directly. How many people in India... I get that point. I get that point. I get that point. Out of time, let me go straight across uh, to Supriya. Supriya, it's a sensitive issue. The government at one stage probably argue that not everything can be shared because uh, they are dealing with a difficult situation and there's a lot of quiet diplomacy involved. Therefore, are you being unrealistic in making your demand in Parliament? I don't think so. I think Parliament is where the government is accountable. If the government is not going to be accountable to the highest temple of democracy, then what exactly is the government accountable to and what are parliamentarians asking? Parliamentarians are asking that you at least tell them what the real situation on the ground is. At least call for an all-party meeting. Have a one-on-one -on -one with political leaders. But none of that is happening. And is this not breakdown of dialogue on an issue as important as China? But more than that, Vishnu, I think the last point that I was trying to make when my time got up is there seems to be a disconnect between the real situation on the ground as far as China is concerned and what the government is doing to deal with it. Because quite frankly, if China has intruded the way it has, we have not been able to restore status quo ante April 2020, one will turn around and ask the question, how does China year after year continue to be our largest trading partner? Right. Why has the trade deficit with okay, China Okay, let's get an answer, Brigadier Gupta. Supriya, let's, let's get an answer dollars. to your I last question first. Questions. Let's get an answer to your last point first. Brigadier Gupta, why is it trade as usual with China when in fact we face these challenges? This, this should be asked from the Congress. Where they, when they were in power, they never developed the manufacturing sector in the country. And today we are facing that problem because we do not have the machinery, you do not have the uh, wherewithal, how do you become self-reliant? So therefore, to make yourself self-reliant, you require machinery, which is only made in China. So what do you do? Do you make a halt to it? Do you come to a standstill? You can't do that. No, but then we are paying for the of the, the Prime Minister said, or when the government yeah, said, it's, it cannot be business as usual with China, we seem to be doing not, business. No, it's no, not business sir. as usual. Stopping a few apps is hardly the solution, please, no? Please let me. No, no. See, question is, it's not only app. The business has come down. But there are certain essential things which just cannot be ignored. They can be only procured from there. So that's been done. But business overall has come down. You see, local in the market, the Chinese goods are uh, not, uh, the retail goods are uh, indeed, uh, they're going down. But okay. there is an essential machinery, hard, the hard, I would say the, larger things which are required, which are not which, manufactured. Which, right. Why, why are soldiers clashed? So there, there's a bit of a dichotomy there, Supriya, go ahead. No. 
I just have a very brief point to make. You say what you do, sir. But if the trade deficit is with China is going to double under Mr. Modi's regime, questions will be asked. Mr. Modi banned the Chinese apps, 59 of them, and yet the Prime Minister Cares Fund was accepting money from that. The Chinese have spent $15 billion last year in a startup ecosystem. If they were to act to it and pull that out, you, you do understand what happens to that section of the economy. Do we understand the repercussions of engaging with China the way we are? We can't look the other way and say we can't stop it. You are actually funding the enemy to do what they're doing at the border in some sense. And I don't think that's a wrong do assessment at all. With all due respect to you, you and the uniform that you once wore, sir. Do you understand the repercussion of the silent agreement which you signed with China as a political party? Do you know what is the sir, fallout of that? For how long and today will the you continue to keep that? blaming the us? Congress you have now been in power for eight and a half years. In power, no, I don't want to get into China combat with you. You once wore a uniform. I don't want to disgrace you, sir. Secret but I have only talk on facts, sir. Talk on hardcore facts. The reality is that we have not been able to restore the status quo ante in 2020. The Prime Minister lies to the country. And you still want to come here and pick a board with me? Please learn to listen. Don't be arrogant. If you can make a point, please have it. Please have the Forget courage. Forget it, sir. The Prime point. Minister went oh, no, and met Xi Jinping. What did they discuss? I, I, I refuse to argue. All right, both of you, one second. I'll come back to both of you in a little while. Where temp tempers are, are, are sort of come down a little bit. General Saar, let's look at the situation and what took place uh, in Tawang. Um, the fact of the matter is we are now trying very hard to build up infrastructure. But as a soldier yourself, did you not believe that this is something that needed to have been done a long time back? It's not BJP versus Congress, but as a country, we've just not taken, we've not understood what the Chinese always intended to do. We are now seeing this now, and we are racing to the LAC. They're already there in terms of infrastructure. Vishnu, I, I agree with you 100%. I'm a company commander on the LSE. You know, you cannot have. Brigadier Gupta, one second, General Saha is answering. Brigadier Gupta, one second, General Saha, go ahead. You see, uh, it's a very valid point that you make, Vishnu, because infrastructure in this terrain, and as we all know, the Himalayas are relatively new, so they are not stable. It takes a long, long time to develop roads and all other connected infrastructure. That having been said, I must also say that the amount of infrastructure that has been developed in the last five to six years has been phenomenal. In the Northeast alone, it runs into almost 9,000 kilometers. Even the instant place, you know, where this incident has occurred, where the face-off occurred, till a few years back, we would be almost walking from ahead of... Uh, you know, Tawang to this place. Right. Please now the road is going to almost three and a half kilo, three and a half hours short of the place where the face of has taken. And it was possible to react that much better. And let's not remain, you know, localized only to Arunachal. It is across, and whether it is in Ladakh, whether it is in Sikkim, whether it is in Arunachal, it is a major challenge that we are faced with. Border roads is working over time. But at the same time, I think this also calls for a lot more cooperation from the state governments because ultimately all kinds of clearances, whether uh, from the local uh, bodies that are there in Arunachal, from the Ministry of Environment and Forest in the central government, it is a humongous task to, to have the you know, clearances for each and every infrastructure piece that we want. Okay. The other thing is we have to also see it is not only infrastructure. 
if you see the increase which is there in the buildup of PLA from across the Sanko, as much as we are all proponents of peace, diplomacy, and so on, but the activities of the PLA, both PLA as in army and PLA air force that we are seeing on the ground, is indicative of a very, very different scenario. So obviously, there are preparations that are going on for a larger motive. And what we are seeing in now... Fact, in fact, General Saha, let me, let me put that question to Professor Victor Gao. Professor Gao, is China preparing for war against India? Not at all. First of all, this year, 2022, is the 60th year anniversary of the border clash between China and India in 1962. I hope in 60 years, both China and India should have matured enough to realize that war is not a way to solve the border disputes between these two great nations. Only diplomacy and wisdom, wisdom, which are required to solve this very well, difficult what, situation. What explains China's infrastructure build-up? What explains well, the massive upgrade of your air bases, the helipads that you're to, building, the fact that you're carving into Bhutanese territory? Allow me to emphasize one point. If you talk about infrastructure, China is really the biggest builder of infrastructure of all kinds throughout every inch of China. If you visit China, you will be amazed. By all means, sir. But, sir, there's the a big difference between the villages, some of which we are showing, Mr. Professor Gao. These are border villages. These are villages which are designed to put pressure on the LAC. Uh, why, why is China actually doing this? You talk about the LSC, you talk about the uh, status quo anti-2020. We think we need to keep in mind that the LLC, LAC did not start to exist in 2020. The LAC started in 1962. Uh, therefore, we need to really keep in mind of all the complexities and the uh, complications of the border issues between China and India. And we need to apply maximum wisdom and use the best diplomacy we can have for both China and India to solve the difficult no, absolutely, situation. Absolutely, sir. But as, as we discussed recently with you, we keep talking and keep agreeing to, to talk, but it doesn't show anything on the ground. General Saha, go ahead, sir. You see, Vishnu, we need to go back a little bit. You know, November of I, 2012. I November of 2012, Xi Jinping was appointed as the chairman of the CMC and the uh, Chinese Communist Party. By March 2013, uh, he was appointed as president. And end of March 2013, uh, at, on the sidelines of the BRICS, uh, the Brazil-Russia-India-China summit, South Africa summit, he made a public announcement that we should resolve our boundary problems with India as soon as possible. With, within 17 days of that, we had the long face-off in Debsang, la lasting over 40 days. Since that and now, we have seen how face-offs have been prolonged and, it, it, and a clear difference in intent. And the intent is the boundary resolution should be on my terms. Okay. Again, I go back to the point that, yes, we all want peace. We all want a resolution by diplomacy. But facts on the ground are different. How come it is India with whom China is not, uh, you know, resolving the border issues 
despite the series of you know strategies, the special representative level talks that we have had, we have made no headway, sure. and, and 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 there is no there is no middle ground that we have been able to find. Find so obviously. Uh, the, the, the intent intent is misplaced. Okay, General, half a second. I just uh, we're also joined at this stage by Manish Tiwari uh, of the Congress. Thanks, Manish, very much for for joining us. You've been raising this issue on China now for how many sessions of Parliament, and how many questions of yours have not been answered? Do you, jokes apart, do you have a number to that? Because <laughs> do you have a number to that? There must be at least five to six. Well, 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 well wish to. I don't think we should go down that street. No, but, 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 but isn't it about eight to nine questions that you have asked over the last several parliament sessions when there's not been any answer? Well, there are actually 56 of them. 56 so, questions. Uh, You've asked 56 questions on different well, aspects of India-China and, not, not, and you haven't got an answer to even one. Well, none of them were, uh, were permitted. All of them were disallowed on grounds of national security. And it's a it's a fact that uh, over the past uh, six sessions of Parliament, from the September of 2020 till the one which concluded today, in every session I have been trying to persuade the government to have a discussion on the broader Sino-Indian relationship. Unfortunately, uh, the government has been very diffident. In fact, in this session of Parliament, from the 7th of December 2022 till today, which is the 23rd of December 2022, on every single day, I gave an adjournment notice that Parliament should adjourn its regular business to discuss uh, what's been happening between uh, China and India. And the reason for that, uh, Vishnu, is very evident. It is not to finger point at the government. Everybody understands it's a difficult situation. Uh, the government has been trying to grapple with it to the best of its ability. But the fact remains, as one of your panelists, I think uh, one of the esteemed generals was pointing out, that ever since uh, Xi Jinping uh, assumed the sec general secretaryship of the Chinese Communist Party in the October of 2012, and subsequently became the president of China in uh, the April of 2013, there has been a change in the Chinese disposition, not only towards India, but to all its neighbors. So therefore, if you look at it in the South China Sea, the line, uh, you know, dashed line claims uh, which China has been belligerent on. If you look in the East China Sea, their claims quay the Senkaku Islands vis-a-vis uh, -vis Japan. In addition to that, the uh, man-made islands which have been built in the South China Sea. And then if you come to the line of actual control, the transgressions since uh, the April of 2020. So there's been a general increase uh, in the in the in the in the Chinese belligerence. So therefore, how does the world really get China to play by the agreed rules of engagement of the world order? And I use the term, you know, a rules-based order loosely because you know there's debate about the fact that whose rules are we talking about. But there is a certain modicum of civilized conduct. And in the case of China and India, what unfortunately China has been doing is that it has reneged on the 1993, 1996, 2012 agreements that it has signed with India with regard to maintaining peace and tranquility on the border. Also so the obviously, there is something which is going wrong. So also obviously, the 2005 bilateral agreement that, they so, would, that protects the populations in disputed areas. 
Well, well, well. In areas if there are no populations and you start building villages and say that, look, it's populated now, then you violated that ground. Well, in fact, uh, you're you're so right, Vishnu, because uh, the the special representative uh, process which was set up post-Prime Minister Vajpayee's visit to China uh, in 2003, one of the principles which was agreed to between the SRs is that the uh, settled populations will not be uh, disturbed. So under those circumstances, something has gone wrong. Now, what is it that has gone wrong? Because as my colleague Supriya was rightly pointing out that we have this dichotomy. On one hand, you have an increase in trade and the trade balance, unfortunately, is tilting against India. On the other hand, you have this tautness in the border. So how do you reconcile these two uh, seemingly irreconcilables, uh, if I may put it in those words? Okay. And that's why we are insisting that you need to have a broader discussion on the Sino-Indian relationship. And may I just point out, and I have not understood the government's diffidence, because in 1994, when we had a situation vis-a-vis Pakistan, you know, Parliament rose to the occasion and passed a unanimous resolution that the only unfinished business of partition is the reclaim of those areas illegally occupied by Pakistan. And that resolution was unanimously retreated again in 2012. So yes. therefore, whenever it has come to the question of national security, discussions in parliament, even going back to the 62 war, when there was a seven-day discussion in which 165 people in the Lok Sabha participated and an equal number of members uh, participated in the Rat Sabha and the discussion was initiated at the request of Mr. Vajpayee, You've always found, you know, uh, Parliament to be extremely measured and extremely right. and that, that uh, you know, I take your point, uh, you know, is not happening now. Manish, you're welcome to stay on, on this debate if you like, but I must well, thank get you very much, a Vishnu. couple of I mean, responses. This was my two-penny bit right. for whatever it was worth. I want, to get, uh, I want to get uh, uh, Brigadier uh, Gupta to respond to one, one point that Manish uh, mentioned. He's asked 56 questions in the last several sessions of Parliament. Not a single question has been accepted. It's been rejected on grounds of national security. Isn't it problematic, sir, that everything is placed under national security if you don't want to answer a question? No, I am not competent to answer that question since I don't deal with the government. So I would not like to answer it. Is it not your personal concern, sir, Brigadier Gupta, that national security... No, it's my personal concern, but... So you know national security, security, sir. You've sworn an oath. Uh, You've been in uniform for decades. You know what national National security security is. And you see a lot of the issues being debated now. Do you honestly believe that a lot of these issues, which are are not allowed to be debated under the garb of national security, can in fact be debated without infringing upon genuine national security? Vishnu, as a primer to this program, you have shown an interview with Ambassador Nirupuma Roy. Wrong. Yes. And she rightly said that what happened when we had heated discussion in the parliament prior to 1962 and what was the outcome of that? That's true. I think we must learn lessons from history. What has happened in the past, we should not repeat it. And one, when one is talking of the debate, seven days debate after 1962, the bullet had been fired. The Chinese were inside our territory. We were fighting. We are losing everywhere. There was a debate required. But there's a stage now where the Chinese are so being the Chinese shown their are right still, place. The Chinese are inside our territory now, sir. S- sir, they are not inside our territory. The only place where they are, Depsang, that happened during Congress rule in 2012. 
So that's, there have been new infringements in Debsang, it's been established. There have been new infringements in Arunachal Pradesh, no, that's no, been established. No, sorry, sorry. No, no, which is the new Arunachal uh, Pradesh? Nothing. No, yes, sir, there, there are no Chinese villages which lie in Arunachal Pradesh. Between the line of actual control and the and the Makmahon line that is, is Indian territory, lies, sir. That is where the problem lies. The LS is not defined. So where what? That is what even sir, uh, the Makmahon line is defined by the Survey General no, of China India. China does not accept that. China does not sir, accept it's that. Sir, it's, it's our claim. My dear friend Vishnu, had uh, had Congress government not accepted unconditionally the Chinese occupation of Tibet. China would have never been our neighbor. Okay. It is all these problems are the the history is involved in it. The follies which are made over a period of time. Okay. Okay. They so, be Brigadier, we, I, I take that point. I want to go across to General Hasnain. General Hasnain, uh, same question to you. National security. If everything is clubbed under national security, we may as well stop debating issues of security altogether. Because let's face it, a lot should be discussed, sir. Wouldn't you agree? Vishnu, it will take a long effort to try and bait me to give responses to that question, right? This issue has gone on for too long, I know. I'm fully aware of it. And uh, the issue which I would like to explain, and I think the nation needs to understand it, the opposition and the government itself needs to understand. What we are looking at in terms of China is not normal warfare. That is on the Western front, the black and white aspects with Pakistan, so easy to respond to it. 1994, with Mr. Manish Tiwari also referred to, was far simpler. We are in a very complex situation here. And I don't blame the opposition. Let me start with the opposition. I don't blame the opposition. But I don't blame the government either. Both of them are in a situation which is exasperating at the moment, to say the least. And the military, the military also itself is failing to understand it. All of us are floundering General around. General Hasnain, you're being a soldier diplomat at this stage. Vishnu, sir, speak Vishnu, your mind. Vishnu, you have to give me time to respond. You're being Please. a soldier diplomat. What are you trying to say, General? I've always been a soldier diplomat, uh, Vishnu. Do you expect me to be a soldier with a lati in my hand only to fight? I've got a brain. And I will use my brain effectively. Let me be, assure you of that. This is what is what we are required to do as far as China is concerned. China is addressing us in a different way. This gray zone is completely something that none of us have encountered before, right? We cannot respond in the conventional way to say China under and they should be able to evict them from here. This is not the way. The way of the spectrum of warfare today has changed. Yes. There are ways and means of hybrid warfare today which are being played out. Diplomacy is one of the most important aspects which we need to do to build into it. But to build diplomacy into it, we have to have capability and capacity. No, I agree that with we you. are doing at and, the and, same and, time. And let's, and let's, I think, focus a little bit uh, on that as well. Uh, Professor Yukteswar Kumar, where do you see this going? I mean, in terms of a resolution, we all agree to, to, to keep talking. But um, there, there's been limited progress uh, in the border talks in eastern Ladakh. Uh, India wants a lot more. Realistically, what can we achieve? Exactly. I said it at the beginning. Uh, there is a lack of understanding between India and China from the very beginning, I would say. In Chinese, we say, meaning we, I, I can go on, I don't want to speak in Chinese. But the problem with India is that we do not understand China a lot. 
let me say it, that how many academicians and even news anchors in New Zealand, they say Xi Jinping as 11 Jinping. Now, if you cannot understand China, on 9th of December, there was a war. And I knew about it on 10th of December. The Indian media reported about it on 13th of December. Let me be as frank as this. After a delay of three days, I did not see anything in the Indian media on 9th, 10th, 11th. It was 13th December. What does Why? that say about our system where, where yes, the Chinese because, come in and no one talks about it because nobody knows? Because you do not read Huan Xiu Shripao, because you do not read Renmin Shripao, because you do not read Kuangming Shripao, because true. you rely on Western resources. We also that rely on our own problem. resources, when sir. Indian and our resources are necessarily talking all the time. Sir, can you, can you please uh, repeat this, no, please? I, get, I couldn't hear I you. I just said that we are also dependent on our resources, and that information is not always shared. I think that's part oh, I, of I mean, why we are having this debate. Albeit at a different exactly. level. I mean, this is very, very nice and kind of you that we have good experts over here, Professor Brahmachalani, which I highly respect, uh, uh, Nirupma Rao, with, with whom I work. Right. But the problem is, we look at China from a Western prism. That is what the problem is. We have to look at China directly. We and China, we are civilizational state. We are not nation state. And there has been a relationship of over 2,500 years. Till 1962, we're the best of the best friends. Of course, All right. So I take your point, sir, that we need to look at China from a prism which is not Western. We need to look at it. Exactly. We need to we understand to, China by knowing more about China. We have to have our own... I think that's a fair point. I don't think anybody over here would disagree with that at all. But, uh, Professor Chelani, you've been tracking China for so many years now. Um, and, you know, yet we have these conversations about we need to pursue a diplomatic line because, let's be realistic, that's what we ultimately want. Um, let's trust the Chinese. Let's keep on chatting. Let's keep on talking. Let's build up confidence. And let's work towards defining the boundary. That's all very well. Do you believe the Chinese can be trusted at any level? I think, Vishnu, the real question that we should be debating in India is how can India strengthen its deterrence strategy against China? After all, India's deterrence strategy isn't working, or else China wouldn't have made a fresh incursion into Ladakh or hardened its position in negotiations to end the military standoffs in Ladakh. Something tells us that India's deterrence isn't effective. And the issue that we should be debating is how can we strengthen deterrence? And I think we tend to forget that deterrence to be effective must extend beyond military strength, beyond military deployments at the border. It must include the use of all available tools, economic and diplomatic tools. Using India's trade leverage is, is one thing that we need to exercise. But even on the military side, we have to examine our posture. Because as has been pointed out, we are not facing conventional warfare. We are facing unrestricted warfare, irregular warfare, hybrid warfare. And given those realities, how do we militarily respond to that? The plain fact is that India pursues an overly defensive strategy against an adversary that is constantly seeking to probe Indian defenses to find new openings for territorial expansionism. Remaining constantly defensive against such an adversary imposes a huge burden on India's defenses because a single lapse 
in anticipating or quickly responding to a Chinese military foray can prove costly, as the territorial losses in eastern Ladakh of 2020 exemplify. In fact, the present border crisis is a direct result of the failure in anticipating and frustrating the Chinese territorial encroachments of April and May 2020. The present crisis did not begin with the Galwan clashes, as Nirupa Roy uh, said. The, the Galwan clashes were the result, the consequence of the Chinese territorial expansionism, the encroachments of April and May 2020. In fact, the clashes began from May 1st, 2020, and continued right through May. Galwan clashes happened much later, in, sure. in mid-June. So, you know, we, we tend to be, we, we should be clear even, even on the basic facts. But I think the, the real issue is how can India, in a comprehensive manner, using military, diplomatic, and economic means, strengthen its deterrence against China? Sure. Not just, uh, I'm running short on time. Supriya, you had a, a quick point. Please go ahead. Then I'll wrap it up with General Saha. Yeah. I just have a very brief point to make. And as somebody who's been reading uh, Professor Chalani for many, many years, I think he's hit the nail on its head. Besides everything else that he has said, I only want to say one thing. Has China perhaps understood the weakness of the present incumbent government? which is that diplomacy or foreign policy is being done with an eye on the domestic audience. Are we really, you know, getting high on the cheap thrills of the domestic audience to even look at foreign policy and diplomacy? Because when the prime minister says, Koi ghusa hua nahi hai, it, has been it has been abused by China to prove their point, that you're prime minister and we are saying the same thing. So I think the government has to get out of its denial mode and understand that it's causing a lot of harm by looking the other way, by playing to okay, the domestic Supriya, audience. Okay, let me just get Brigadier Gupta to respond to that. Brigadier Gupta of the BJP, before I go to General Saha. Brigadier Gupta, go ahead. It's a lie being repeated very often. It has been credited at that time. It was with a particular reference to context. And that was when he made that statement. He said, there's nobody inside Galwan. That is what I don't say. think the BJP no, not as the PMO. Oh, I don't think they please, agree with you. Please, please. She, she has got him to interfere. Half a second. Go ahead. Ahead. go ahead, Brigadier. Yes. Yeah. So I'm saying it was very, very clarified at that time also that it was with a reference to context and that context was Galwan Heights. There's nobody inside that when the Prime Minister made that statement. And that's a fact. Now they are trying to play that again and again to gain political mileage and politicize that issue. Okay. It's wrong. Okay. Okay. Uh, General Saha, so last word to you. And ministers. Supriya, half a second. I want to go I to uh, General Saha last. I, I mean, it comes out very based clearly. on what you have read and based on what you've understood, General Saha. General Saha, my question is this. What we do now with China is uh, that the gray zone, it is not in the military's domain alone. We should be clear. While the uh, what has happened in Arunachal has triggered off the debate, it's all well. Let's not forget that China is also engaging us in the cyberspace, and we have seen assessments in the media of what has happened in the AIMS. They have been engaging us in this, from the space in terms of the superior ISR. So my submission is we need to be looking at a much broader spectrum of this challenge rather than a border incursion here or a face off there. And not to forget, we cannot achieve all this unless and until we are one as a nation. I think that's paramount. I think that's a fair way and a, a great way of ending this program. We have to be united in India and we have to look at the China 
issue far, far beyond the prism of one clash uh, or, or two clashes. It's much more uh, and it needs to be looked at with that. Uh, in that perspective, I'd like to thank you all very much for being with us. Out of time on the big side. From all of us here, good night.